Welcome into a new edition of Going Deep Buffalo Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Masseri, here with Kevin Syracuse to not only break down a huge Cowboys win later on the show, but we have a special guest from the Chargers that we're looking forward to bringing on momentarily. And as always, this show is brought to you by Sons of Erie, www.sonsoferie.com. And tonight's show is also brought to you by Tuscany Market and Deli in Fredonia. Tuscany is a locally owned Italian deli and specialty grocer offering an old school butcher shop with homemade sausage, burgers, and more, as well as a full-scale deli, subs and sandwiches, fresh produce, Italian imports, kitchen supplies, home goods, and much more. You can find Tuscany on Facebook and Instagram and visit the shop at 450 East Main Street, right on the corner of routes 20 and 60 in Fredonia. Awesome. We are so happy to have Tuscany Market and Deli. What a cool location we have there in Fredonia. And as always, brought to you by Summit Center. Get out there for the best autism care. Any donations would be wonderfully accepted. But as we look forward to the Chargers game, and I'm really looking forward to bringing our special guest on, Dan. Um, you know, it's going to be a really great addition, Kevin, as we kind of hone in on what the – also at the end of the show, we're going to bring in some – I've been tweeting playoff scenarios all day long, whether it's one seed stuff – well, they can't get the one seed, but whether it's two seed stuff, whether it's the doomsday scenarios, whatever it may be, we're going to get into some of that toward the end uh, of the show. So uh, we're going to you know really break down some of that, and I know there's a ton of questions around some playoff scenarios and some playoff situations. So – uh, looking forward to breaking down each and every one of those. I know there's been a bunch of questions kind of sent in uh, on on all those things, but it's our pleasure here to welcome Dan to the show. Dan covers the Chargers. We're really looking forward to it for 1090 ESPN Radio. Dan, pleasure to have you. How are you doing today? I'm good, gentlemen. How are you? Thanks for having me. Happy hump day. Uh, you guys are yes, definitely the playoff hunt. Chargers fans, not so much, but pleasure <laughs> to be with you both. Yeah, I mean, if you look at this game, where really where it was scheduled on Peacock, technically Sunday night football with the Sunday night football crew, uh, they had high hopes for this game. And, and, you know, early on when the Bills were struggling as well, it looked like a stinker of a game uh, kind of early on. But then I thought maybe the Chargers would find it. They started to maybe pick it up a little. So did the Bills. And I was like, OK, we might have something in there for like a wild card type of performance. But then, as we know, uh, things looked up for the bills kind of went awry for the chargers why don't we start there give us a, i ask all our guests give us a recap of the chargers to date and, and really give it to us because we don't get a ton of experience with it we see that we play the chiefs all the time but we don't get a ton of experience with the chargers over here for our listeners so why don't you break down a little bit about what's happened what's going on what's gone wrong and we'll start there oh man yeah so boy i don't have enough time in the day to talk about what has <laughs> gone wrong with the los angeles chargers um, but honestly, you can kind of look at it twofold. One, there's a lot of excuses around what has gone wrong with this team. You could talk about injuries. You could talk about, you know, bad ball luck. You could talk about, you know, some coaching decisions, all that kind of stuff. Like, it's all excuses. But if we're being realistic and we're being honest, this Chargers team is insanely top-heavy. I want to say the top five players on this, on this uh, franchise in terms of salary cap make up 60% of the 2024 salary cap. They're 42 million over the cap next year. Their the underbelly of the roster is just not good enough. And when your top guys are injured, the underbelly is not good enough. You've got a brand new head coach who was in year three and just didn't resonate with the players. They weren't fitting with a scheme. 
Justin Herbert's banged up with broken fingers and kind of gnarly injuries throughout the season on both hands without Mike Williams, without Keenan Allen for sometimes Josh Palmer was IR starting center is gone. Joey Bose is out for the season. JC Jackson was a mess. Uh, not much has gone right. If we're being honest for this team. And that's why you saw that absolute debacle hmm. against the Raiders. And it all just came crashing down. And I think for better, for worse, that was probably a good thing for the Chargers because it forced the ownership group to make decisions more so than just the coach. And there's a bigger issue with the Los Angeles Chargers around like culture and consistency and vision and creativity and adjustment and draft strategy. There's a whole bigger picture. But in short, the team needs to be refreshed, rebooted. Obviously, when you have Justin Herbert, you're okay. Like the biggest piece of the puzzle is there. And they got a good core. They have a left tackle. They have the quarterback. They've got the safety in Derwin James. You know, Keenan Allen's incredible. They need to get creative. They need to dump a lot of salary cap, unfortunately. So you're going to see some real big names no longer on this team. But that's kind of it. And you're seeing a team that's lost so many one-score games this year. And there's only so much you can do when your team is crippled, when you go through injuries, when you go through the coaching mishaps on both sides of the ball. And you, the thing that's incredibly frustrating for Chargers fans, and I'll leave it with this, is the one thing that this Chargers team has not had all season. And it's still, to this day, this season, we have not had one game where we have seen complimentary football and consistency for one game from both sides. What offense does great, defense is terrible. When defense does great, the offense is terrible. They both have never been good, but both have been bad together. So the only thing consistent is poor play. And that's been what's plagued the team. And you're seeing other teams like the Bills. You saw what you guys did against the Cowboys. I mean, that was huge for you. And the Chargers just haven't had that. They play up and down to competition, but as of late, they've been playing down. And that's why they are now looking full ahead into draft season. We're talking GM. We're talking 2024. <laughs> while Buffalo Bills yeah. fan, Bills Mafia is all about the wood they just laid on the Dallas Cowboys. And look, as a Chargers viewer, supporter, watcher, like I'm actually really excited for the Bills. I hope the Bills go on a run. That's why I'm excited to be talking to you. Yeah, glad, glad to have you. And look, they came off of a pretty fun and interesting Chiefs win as well. Um, one where, you know, you saw Mahomes melt, a really rare kind of full meltdown. Um, the Bills have been able to do that to Mahomes at times. They've beat him three straight years in Arrowhead. Um, so it's been kind of uh, pretty interesting. The only time the Bills have lost recent memory to the Chiefs was a 13-second debacle oh, uh, where Mahomes get into field goal range. The Bills, Bills fans thought that was their year in 2021. <laughs> Uh, besides that, too. though, I did, too. I thought that was your um, year. the Bills play the Chiefs extremely well. Uh, they've had uh, they, they know how to stop that offense, even when it was a little bit better. Um, you know, they've, they've given some fits at times. But right. And then coming off of that into a Chiefs win in an overtime loss in the swirling rain wind against the Eagles, um, the Bills, you know, have been roaring high since the Joe Brady swap. So what's what what made this game specifically interesting is like it's a big game for them. Um, you know, it might not feel like that from the Chargers side of view um, that it's like, you know, the first game with with a new coach. Uh, I want to ask you about that in a little bit, but I want to start with the complimentary football piece you brought up. The O-line looks like it's pass blocked. OK, 15th overall with an aggregate at advanced stats rankings, which is decent. 
uh, 30th in run blocking. I'm an Austin Eckler fan. I've been super disappointed in Austin Eckler. Why don't we start there? What's going on? Is is it an O-line problem? The run blocking looks terrible. Um, I guess Honestly, tell me tell me what it is because Kelly hasn't been much better. Oh, yeah. So that's one of the things that's interesting looking at metrics versus like watching actual game footage. And I and it's it's really fascinating to me kind of seeing the national versus like local perspective, even local perspective. But a lot of people don't really narrow down to the actual issues. And so, yeah, you know, middle of the pack when it comes to offensive line, the issue they've had pass blocking has been consistent the entire season. And it has always been in pressure situations, the offensive line blocking and honestly more so the tight ends and running backs that are supposed to be blocking on the edges have been so leaky end of game scenarios, max blitz. We're talking like cover zero type stuff. The chargers offensive line, Justin Herbert, Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator, like they don't adjust to that. And I've probably seen four or five games being lost solely because end of game scenarios, offensive line, tight ends, running backs do not block. And Justin Herbert is getting smoked and therefore also getting blamed. And some of that is on Justin Herbert because you know, you got to be able to adjust out of that to check down to kind of figure out the hot routes and adjust accordingly, but it's a collective effort. And the Chargers have never had a blocking tight end this year, and that's been one of the biggest issues for them. And so they get beat along the edges consistently. And so, you know, they have Rashawn Slater, who's incredible, but when it's three on one, there's only so much he can do. And when you're not scheming against it, different problem. And so Austin Eckler, same thing, run blocking has been the biggest issue. The entire running game has been atrocious. But again, that's an edge issue. Go back and watch a lot of the, the running game for the Chargers or lack thereof. And you'll see tight ends blowing assignments and edge slash blitzers filling up, filling in, and making tackles. It's rarely the offensive line. Now, it is the offensive line at times, too. And that's where Corey Lindsley, the arguably top two centers in the NFL, him being, him being gone because of the heart condition, it's a big blow. So that's the run blocking, pass blocking, and what has plagued this offense. And quite frankly, the offense has been really... I would say average at best. And that's just unacceptable when you have a Justin Herbert-led offense. And it's so easy to blame him. But people who have watched this team, obviously, there are things that he can do better. But he is not on the top eight of things wrong with this offense. And he's carrying them. And you saw what happened. The first game he's out, the Raiders Raiders score 63. And the offense for the Chargers was brutal. Yeah. Hey, Dan. So I, I want to ask you about the coaching here, because when you said at the, be- the, the beginning how this is a top heavy roster, that got me thinking, do you think that no matter who was coaching this team, they were due for this downfall? Or do you think that this team essentially quit on Brandon Staley or maybe a combination of both? And then I guess a two part question here. Um, I saw we had a question from Roy. He's wondering who who do you want as the Chargers next head coach? Yeah, so I'll uh, I'll do the first one uh, first, and then I'll go to the coaching candidate, which we're hot into right now. Um, it's a little bit of both. It was really interesting early on in the season when the Chargers, I think they were five and seven or maybe five and six, something like that. Um, they had just lost. I think it was a heartbreaker to the Ravens, and who's Ravens? Anyways, the coach Brandon Staley was asked after the game, you know, has this team quit on you? Like, is the team just not? 
responding to you. And Brandon Staley responded like, no, the team isn't quitting. We're losing these heartbreaking games at the end. If we're, if I lost the team, we'd be getting blown out. <laughs> and then fast forward, the team gets blown out. And I think everyone saw like, oh, yep, team's lost. There are some things that Brandon Staley could have done differently. His biggest downfall, in my opinion, has been not pulling the trigger on personnel decisions earlier. You saw the Chargers secondary, for example, the cornerbacks on this team, which I'm sure we'll get into kind of the game breakdown, but the <laughs> cornerbacks on this team yep. are horrible. Horrible. And in a Brandon Staley defense, everything funnels to the cornerbacks of the secondary. And Michael Davis and Asante Samuel Jr. both have gotten torched on big plays when it matters most consistently. They've lost half a dozen games because of that. And so when you got a guy like Josh Allen, I'm ready for it. Like, I, it's coming. I'm not worried about it now. But the issue is, this is a personnel thing. What? So Brandon Staley, a lot of people say, oh, we should have made decisions earlier. And one of the things as a rookie head coach, there's some things that you just have to learn about, like putting your foot down and being more vocal and public about players or personnel or issues with the roster. Who else is walking through that door? Like the Chargers are now relying on those guys. Michael Davis is a $9 million cornerback, Asante Samuel Jr., second round pick. The guys behind them are six seventh round draft picks from two years ago or from last year or UDFA waiver wire pickups from this year. That's who you're relying on to save the day. So like, what does he have to do with that? The guys aren't responding to his scheme and he wasn't making personnel decisions largely because they didn't really have anywhere to go. There is no free agents brought in by the front office. Another reason why the GM was let go. So it's a little bit of both like coaching, I think was trying you know, there's some things that could have done better. Obviously, a lot of people didn't like the defense, but it was a collective effort, especially this year. Defense and offense, you go back before that 63-21 shellacking, literally, they both both offense and defense had the exact same points per game. And like that's not good for a Justin Herbert offense to have as many points allowed, points taken as points allowed. As for the coach, um, Chargers are in desperate need of vision, of culture, of proven success of kind of a personality, someone who will grab someone metaphorically or literally and kind of get in their face and make decisions, not be afraid to ruffle some feathers. You're probably catching the drift here. I think Jim Harbaugh is the name for this Chargers team, especially when you look at the AFC West, you look at guys like Andy Reed over in Kansas city. You've got Sean Payton over in Denver, who knows what's going on with the Raiders. You, they need someone to kind of come in and establish an identity and kind of ruffle things up in a good way. Who knows with the GM, that's a bit, it's a bigger issue. And in my opinion, I think that's a more important decision is who can fix the GM thing. Cause that's a whole vision roster construction, the whole nine. I would say if it was up to me, top three would probably be uh, Harbaugh one and then maybe two way two B with Ben Johnson from Detroit and then Frank Smith uh, from the dolphins. Those would probably mm. be my two. Oh, it's interesting. Now, do you think last year Staley should have been fired after that epic collapse in the playoffs? Because I know there was a lot of the national media saying, how do you continue on? Because even looking at it from a Buffalo perspective, it's like, man, Brandon Staley just seems like he's one more bad loss away from getting canned. Yeah. And then they run it back again. And then it was last year, correct, that you guys brought over Kellen Moore trying to get some little stability. Maybe that could inject some confidence into the offense and kind of put a Band-Aid over Brandon Staley. But then it just kind of all unfolded in the end. Yeah, th yeah. This was this season was just an epic failure from so many players and coaching staff. Like 
you know, we thought what we saw from Dallas. And again, you know, Kellen Moore didn't have Mike Williams, didn't have Josh Palmer. Quentin Johnston isn't coming up as quickly as they would have liked. Although, honestly, he was kind of a project pick, which I think is what's frustrating a lot of the Chargers fans is he was expected to be this this year. So that was accelerated. You know, the running game has been non-existent. They lost their center. So Kellen Moore takes some blame for that. Sure. Um, I don't know if he should have been fired after that Jacksonville loss. And in reality, if you're looking at the big picture, year one goes nine and eight, year two, 10 and seven gets a playoff berth. Epic collapse. Sure. That was his mulligan as a head coach. This year, I think there were a lot of red lines of this team needs to make a deep playoff run for him to stay. And personally, my red line from the beginning, this was back in January or February, was, you know, the offense has to be better. It has to be a much better running game. The defense has to improve. You got to be able to get at least a playoff win. Clearly, that's not happening. So the running <laughs> was on the wall. And once that happened, once that was officially gone, I think that was what was kind of sealing the fate for Brandon Staley. Yeah. You see a lot from Bills fans. Like, I've even seen some comments already saying, like, I hated that they got blown out. I hate that there's a coaching change or stuff like that that makes an uneasy feeling against the opponent who is really clinging on to uh, AFC East play. You know, they have a pathway to the AFC East. They have a pathway to the two seed. And it does roll through L.A. Um, I mean, as funny as that sounds, you know, then it comes back to New England. So there's a couple opponents here, you know, after playing some real three straight, like, contenders. Um, let me be real. Let me re- Kevin, let me be real. Let me be real. There's no way the Chargers should win this game. Like, there's right. no way. Like, the Bills should absolutely roll. I mean, if we're being honest, the Chargers don't have a quarterback. They're now on their third center. Keenan Allen I, hasn't practiced all week. He probably isn't going to play. So they're going to have Quinton Johnston, Josh Palmer, and waiver wire guys. Uh, their defense, Joey Bosa, is not playing. They're either going to be starting Michael Davis, who's been cooked all season, including last game, by the way. Or they're going to have someone like a Dean Leonard who hasn't played so far this week or a Jazir Taylor who was a sixth round pick last year or a saying Bassey who wasn't on the team until week, whatever, three or four. The linebackers have been exposed. New coach. Offense hasn't been good all season. Defense has been terrible. They're like, it, if we're looking at two different teams, two different trajectories, it could not have gone more polar opposite than what, the Bills did to the Cowboys and what the Chargers got done to them by the Ra- by the Raiders, who's yeah. lost zero to three, I think, the week prior. Yeah, there's there, some there poetic justice a, there. Yeah, there is not a <laughs> single part of this game that the Bills don't have the advantage. So so you're saying play Stefan Diggs if you're a fantasy football fan out there. In other Please. words, absolutely. Yeah. OK, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I need a big sense. week from Diggs because it's the first week of fantasy playoffs in my one league and Diggs has been you've probably seen just from the outside looking in, he's been pretty quiet. It hasn't eclipsed a hundred yards since week six against the giants, but this could be a week where he gets back to 10 receptions, 150 yards and two touchdowns by the sounds of it. The chargers are a team where you give people, uh, you go up against a team like the chargers, whatever that stat is of either a guy has been a little rusty, hasn't been able to get a breakout game in a month or they haven't been able to get a run game going, or they haven't scored a touchdown in weeks. Chargers will fix that. <laughs> yeah, what I wanted to bring up for you before we put the coaching thing to bed. So the Bills, Sean McDermott's third in the league in making the right decisions um, in going forward or kick situations. And, you know, it looks like the Chargers, Staley was making, you know, 15 right in the middle of the league and making the right call on fourth down, um, which to me shocked me. I would have thought he would have been on the end 
um, you know, kind of where the Patriots and uh, Colts are. But it doesn't seem, I mean, it seems to be he was, was he not okay game day? Like in game day? Was it a game plan issue? Like no. where did he struggle the most? Like where was, where are these, like the fourth quarters were so bad for you guys. What yeah. was the, like, what was going on? And as a defensive coach that had the number one rated defense coming over uh, to, to just consistently have these bad defenses, it, I don't, it's confusing. And that's, that's the frustrating part is again, like the national media, it's really easy to find things and narratives that, Right. are what people pick up on, but aren't actually true. Like in-game scenarios, the issue that Jason, that Brandon Staley had was the fact that like, they don't, sometimes they're too aggressive. Mm. And sometimes they're a little reckless. And they, instead of taking the points, they'll go for it on fourth down unnecessarily. But that really hasn't been the reason they've lost. The reason they've lost is they haven't been able to adapt. They haven't been able to adjust to opposing teams. And especially when it matters most, end of game scenarios, fourth quarter, last minute drives by both offense or defense, absolutely brutal. And mm. it's a trend that we've seen all season, both on offense and defense. You watch game breaking plays given up by the secondary specifically over and over and over and over again. And then when they give it up, charge. Let's say charges are up twenty or charges are down, whatever twenty three twenty, right? Charges offense methodically go down scores because they don't have anybody who can break a game open with one play seventy yards. So it took them five minutes to get a touchdown. Finally got a touchdown. Then defense gives up a touchdown immediately. Justin Herbert now has the ball back with a minute fifteen seconds, two timeouts, and then absolutely just gets trucked by the opposing defense on cover zeros, and there's nothing they can do. Yeah, that's how that's how so many games have lost. And you can put that on the coach, but I would put that more on Kellen Moore. What has Kellen, like, you're an offensive coordinator with the Cowboys. That offense was humming. And now this is what it has turned into. He kept this his job, too, um, which is which is interesting. Giff Smith gets a head coaching job or interim head coaching job. Yeah. Uh, D-line coach Moore here. Is, Kellen Moore is very respected here. And a lot of people yeah. are wondering, like, was he given a fair shake because of all the injuries and because of all the stuff going on? It's kind of both, honestly. I, I I need a lot more from an offensive coordinator with that pedigree, regardless of the guys you have in the building. Show me something that is adjustments. And it, like the thing is, even when they've done that, that's when Keenan Allen crazily gets a drop. Ross Neckler fumbles, or Keenan fumbles, or these it just it's just been a season of failure and unfortunate events all who's leading long. who's leading the defense now? Uh, same thing. So Derek Ansley, who was the deep, who was the defensive coordinator, technically, again, yeah. it's Brandon Staley's defense, but he's right. the head coach. He called the plays. Derek Ansley was kind of the, the pseudo DC. Now he's the actual DC. He will be calling defensive plays and he's a respected coach as well. So give Smith head coach, Kellen Moore, offense coordinator, Derek Ansley is, and they let the, go their run game coordinator, right? Defensive they, run game court. Yeah. Yeah. They have. The, okay. I don't. I think there's gonna be a lot more changes for the coaching staff, obviously. Sure. Um, but it's been a mess. It's been a mess. And I give I give the Bills credit because they went through. Every team goes through this at some point. Like, look at the Eagles, the Niners, the Bills. Mm -hmm. You go through stretches where it gets tough, and you got to rally. And the Bills did that. And there was a moment there where it's like, are the Bills even a playoff team? Mm -hmm. And now, what? The Bills did against the Cowboys, regardless of if people are sick on the Cowboys. Like, get, miss me with the excuses, okay? Yeah, they had won five straight, and they were talked about now as the two or one or two seed in the NFC. Like, yep. the Eagles were trending down. They had just got rolled. 
So we heard it all coming in. Jerry Jones even comes out and said, well, it was a little bit wet up there. Um, you know, they got absolutely rolled. Like Dak Prescott is going to struggle on the road in the playoffs again. Uh, he can't have those kind of stinkers. The Bills, the Bills have been really good at matching. I was really interested to see Herbert because I wanted to see Sean McDermott again. He, he's Sean McDermott is very good in these situations of knowing the weakness of quarterbacks. That's where he excels. So a lot of people will point to Sean McDermott's weaknesses. Um, in regular season, there aren't a ton of them. Um, but some of the failures late in games that we've seen this year, have, like you said, we have we have some we have some correlation with the Chargers in that like their one score record were, was struggling, like it was bad. Uh, they were losing on pass interferences. They are losing on 12 men in the, in the huddle uh, against the Broncos. They are losing in situations that absolutely should never happen. So we were kind of correlated a little bit in that regards um, to what you were going through. But at the same time, people forget kind of that, that the Bills are the second winning as franchise since 2020 in all of sports. So um, it's, you know, there's definitely some recency bias when it comes to some, uh, some of this stuff that you've heard. Um so what I really want to get into, though, is the game plan before we leave you. Um, and I want you to tell me, like, some of the best things the Chargers did. Like, I, I mean, this is a tough question because generally if we're playing Mahomes, like, I, we can get into more detail. But, like, with Easton Stick, I was actually – I'm not kidding. I thought that there was a chance to see Max Duggan because I was interested. Like, why – like, to me, that's interesting. Like, I would like to see him. Um, but then they cut him for – a guy on the Patriots that couldn't even make their roster in terms of terrible quarterback play, <laughs> um, which is fine. Um, you know, then they signed Nathan Rourke and then the, the, the kind of the carousel continues. But is this what you want? Like East stick, is he just going to close out a better draft pick for you? Like where, where are we at here with this yeah. decision? Okay. Yeah. It, well, in short, like Easton stick, he's earned it. Like he's been the backup quarterback for a long time. That was, a, unfortunately for him, that his first start in the NFL was that Raiders game. And, while he wasn't perfect, like go back and look at the stat sheet for him. Like given all the headwinds that he was going up against, I think he had three touchdowns, 300 plus yards. He ran for a bit. Obviously he had the fumble, had the interception, but like he wasn't the reason they no. lost at all. And you know, Max Duggan seventh round draft pick, the chargers cut him immediately. Like it's not like this is Easton's game. Even with the new quarterback that came in, this is Easton's season. If you ask most chargers fans, yeah, they want to see a better draft pick for sure. But in my opinion, and I've said this, I know you want the higher draft pick. And sure, a couple picks here and there, that could be the difference between a, a single player maybe or two. But in my opinion, like some of the players, the young guys on this Chargers team, and this is any team in the NFL, any team that's building, that's trying to get better, wins for a rookie or for the younger guys are so much more impactful than losses and a better draft pick for a team. And think about the Chargers, for example. Quentin Johnston, first-round draft pick. Like He's had a pretty shaky start to, the NFL, to his NFL career. Uh, coming around a little bit more as of late, has some issues with drops and has some issues with just getting some opportunities. Look at how many like targets he's had compared to other rookie receivers that he's getting compared to. It's like not even close. Like right. Jackson Smith, a jig, but I think he has like 25 more targets than he does. So there's a little bit of truth in a lot of it. But give him the opportunity for a game-winning 80-yard bomb like that, in my opinion, the 80 yard touchdown for the win does more for his confidence in the long term for this team than going from draft pick six to eight. Give your rookie defensive end, who's huge, an opportunity to get better. Give the young guys, Isaiah Spiller. We'd have no idea what this roster could look like. Literally, Isaiah Spiller is the only guy on the Chargers roster at the running back position next season. Do you? 
do you expect them to go that way? I guess like, let's put the game plan into perspective. Do you think that they'll go that have whatever they have left to try to secure a W for the reasons you just stated, or do you think you'll see more Spiller and others where needed to, for, for, for opposite reasons to see, like get them experience and get them, yeah roaring into 2024 it's a good question and i honestly think it's a little bit of both the gift smith has come out and said like the goal of the team is to come out and win these next three games which of course every head coach is going to say that interim right. or not there's no way like nfl teams and players aren't built to lose like you don't purposefully lose it just doesn't happen as much as fans would like it it just isn't the way it works that said i think there's going to be some areas where you're going to like to see these younger guys get experience and so i think you will see isaiah spiller get more touches. He actually looked good relative to everyone else on the team in that game against the Raiders. Um, fun fact, he had more yards in that game than Austin Eckler averages per game this season. That's how bad Austin Eckler's been. I think he has like 49 point something yards per game. Isaiah Spiller had 50. Wow. You're going to see Josh Palmer, Quinn Johnson. Those are kind of the two headed guys for the receiving core. Easton Stick probably is going to go to jail to Everett a lot if he plays. No idea. Keenan Allen probably won't play. And on the defense, the thing is, like, I have no idea what to expect because, again, like you said, and probably for better or for worse, no idea, Derek Ansley, what his defense is going to look like. No idea what Giff Smith has up his sleeves. No idea how the team is going to respond to him. The, I'm sure there's going to be some bump there. Uh, but if we're being realistic, they just don't have the horses right now. Again, we talk about like the big guys on this team. Joey Bosa, not there. Derwin James is there. He's had the worst year of his career. Justin Herbert, not there. Keenan Allen, not playing. Khalil Mack, he's there. So when you have two guys left of your top five and the rest of the roster is not great, there's it's kind of hard to predict a win, let alone against a team who too. is thriving. Yeah, top heavy. Those are huge, huge components of the team. A lot of a lot of ties to Khalil Mack. I actually covered Khalil Mack in college. Went to the University of Buffalo. Um, had press passes at that time, and uh, I covered Khalil Mack. Uh, he he still comes back quite frequently. So I mean, he he might get a little buzz, a little bump there um, as well. There is ties with him and Sammy Watkins, where the Bills infamously traded up right in front to get Sammy Watkins instead oh. of Khalil Mack. Um, so he thought there was potential. Most Bills fans, Sammy Watkins had his boom. He was decent. He was good at times. Just so injury plague that most Bills fans would tell you that they wish they secured Mac and maybe he'd still be a bill. Maybe not, but, uh, yeah. ideally he would still be a bill here playing along. They wouldn't have to sign other defensive ends that they've had to redo this defensive end, uh, this defensive end core that's finally coming together, Dan. With with you have you have a ton of players across the board with that Oliver who's been playing really really well, uh, Leonard Floyd. Uh, you're starting to see Von Miller get back into to the to, to the swing of things. AJ Epinesa has been kind of a revelation at the end of his contract. Uh, just just absolutely foiling uh, Mahomes when they play, and then Greg Rousseau the same. Like th those are his worst enemies in Kansas City. So they have been very good here. And then they, they've developed in a homegrown linebacker when Matt Milano next to Terrell Bernard, who's been excellent, absolutely fantastic in the Sean McDermott defense. And then the trade for Razul Douglas uh, has been um, more than, than, than they ever could have imagined that he's come in and locked down some of the best uh, from Garrett Wilson to, to uh, CD lamb last week, some of the best in the league. So they definitely have some horses on defense and they're getting healthier. They're going to get their stable back here in a week or two. Um, but to this game, like, do you buy into the bump for gifts? Smith? Gift Smith was a D line coach here 
uh, a few years ago. He is credited with developing Kyle Williams, uh, a guy that's very loved in Buffalo. Um, interesting choice for your interim head coach. Maybe it wasn't uh, in your building, um, but tell us what can we expect from GIF? Is he like that? Is he kind of soft spoken? Is he like a hard nosed guy? Like, tell us a little bit about GIF. And do you really think a lot of Bills fans are buying into the hype of the the bump that you saw from you know in 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 Vegas, for instance, or in other locations? Do you buy into the bump? Um, or ultimately, like you mentioned, that the, the horses just aren't in the stable. I mean, there. How big of a bump are we talking about? We just lost sixty-three to twenty-one to the Raiders. Well, I mean, so, like, a bump from that. <laughs> sure, um, sure, there could be a bump from that. Absolutely. Could they? Could they be better than that? Yes, they should be better, and they are better than that. That was the worst we've seen. That was the most embarrassing loss I've ever seen covering this team. Yeah, but that. But that being said, the Raiders are not the Bills, and Easton Stick is not Justin Herbert, and. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams probably aren't going to be playing. And the starting center is not like, there's just a lot going in the headwinds for the chargers. And there's no reason. I mean, I don't, what, what is the, what is the spread right now for this game? Like it's like 13, 13, something like that. Yeah. So um, I guess maybe I'll ask you this, like, you know, Giff Smith is, is respected. Like he, you listen to some of his press conferences. You're like, dang, like I'll play for him. Like I'm not going to be good, but I'll play for him. Cause I'm going to try hard. Like for you guys, what's the path for the Chargers winning this game? I think it would have to be the Bills beating themselves. And that's what we've seen all year where they kind of self-destroy against the Jets, the Patriots, the Broncos. So I think that's like the kryptonite here that Bills fans are scared of, that the Bills could just implode. And then you see a Mac Jones-led drive for the game-winning touchdown, something like that. Like Easton Stick leads a game-winning drive, and the Bills crumble in the final moments. But I'm going to remain optimistic and say that the Bills play their best when their backs are against the wall. So I'm kind of with you. Like I really don't see a route for the Chargers winning, but this is the ultimate trap game. Yeah, and and think about those three teams that you just mentioned. You said Jets, Patriots, and Broncos. All three of them have a defense. Yeah. A pretty darn good one. And the Chargers just don't True. right now. They just True. don't. Belichick's had, had his moments of foiling Josh throughout time. Uh, the Jets definitely have their moments of foiling Josh throughout throughout their time, um, uh, their history there. And then Broncos game was like the destruction of, of Joe Brady disappearing and a terrible special teams blunder not subbing in right. So, I mean, to Kevin's point, that's probably the path, but they haven't lost in December uh, in two and a half seasons, like since the beginning of 2021 in December. Wow. The Bills are really good in December and January specifically. I think it's 19 and two. Um, and once again, their one loss was an overtime game to Brady. Uh, and the other, when he was their Super Bowl winning year, and the other was uh, catastrophe weather. Uh, in Western New York. So um, beside those two games, like I said, they're ninth. So they, they, to Kevin's point, they do play backs against the wall. Uh, They play really good in this stretch. They've ended every season with at least a four game uh, winning streak to going into the playoffs. Um, And this is, this is when they play like any good quarterback. This is when you saw the best of Josh. Now they can run the ball, Dan. Um, Now the bills have been seen to be in the top five in a lot of rushing categories, uh, which is that the big, what is in theory, how do the bills win running? Are they, are they going to attack those corners? Give us your final. Yeah. What's would, the best way to beat the chargers? If it was me, I'm going, I'm attacking the corner. I'm attacking the second okay. all day long. Um, yeah. Attacking the linebackers as well. Like Dalton Kincaid knocks, like those guys should be going ham. Uh, okay. You know, I think Kenneth Murray, he's been better than he's been in the past, but not great. 
Eric Hendricks is kind of an up and down, a little longer the tooth when it comes to age. You've seen some up and down play, but in coverage, not great. So linebacking core is not good. Got They're it. average, I would say. Secondary has been terrible. Derwin James is kind of all over the place, but in a bad way. I think he's kind of flailing at this point. And it's not his, like it's not his fault, right? Because he's just being asked to do everything. And when you do that, sometimes you're spread too thin and they're thinking too much. And so I hope to see the Chargers simplify it down. Maybe that'll help. Uh, so if I'm the Bills, I'm probably trying to, to beat the linebackers and beat the secondary. And on defense, pick a poison if you're the Bills. Like the, the Chargers, realistically, like they haven't ran all year. So I don't see that changing, especially with a defensive front like what the Bills have. And the receiving core for the Chargers, you're left with a rookie, a rookie receiver who has been struggling this year. And you're left with a guy who's been out all year except for last game was his first game back since like week three. Those are the top two. Then you got waiver wire pickup. You got a Darius Davis. Honestly, that's probably the one way that, that the Chargers would win is special teams. If the Chargers can get like a kick return for a touchdown, which they got the best return on the NFL right now, Darius Davis and yards per return, he could get one. Every time he gets to the ball, I'm telling you, be careful. Like, do not let him return. Kick it through the end zone. The Bills are known to to pooch it. Like, they are known to put it at the three. Um, Do not let him. Do not let him beat you because he's the fat. He was the fastest player in college football last year. They drafted him and he had a kickoff return during, I think, yeah, kickoff return during preseason, punt return during the regular season. Okay. He's he's and the one he's the one guy the Chargers fans are desperately praying that they get more involved in the offense and they just don't. So okay. as long as you don't let the special teams score touchdowns, I think you guys got good this. I like good to know. And give us this before you get out of here. Give us a score prediction uh, and also where are, where Bills fans can find your stuff. Like what are you doing this week? Where are you working for the last next couple of weeks? Tell us a little bit more. Yeah. So uh, prediction, man, I haven't even thought about that yet. Honestly, I probably would say something like thirty-one. 17 maybe okay. 31 17 bills um i just think they're the better team on in all three in all i should say two phases they're not better in special teams but offensive defense when you got josh allen versus any defense you take it josh allen versus chargers defense you take that even more and you got the okay. defensive front versus the chargers offensive line for running and passing bad look for the chargers um find us so chargers unleashed that's the show that we do you can find us uh espn radio on every friday uh, LAC underscore unleashed on X, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere. Uh, that's where you can find us. Uh, we do all kinds of draft stuff after the season. Okay. We're currently going through GM candidates and head coaching candidates. Uh, that list is long, but uh, otherwise, big fan of NFL. Rooting for the Bills. I hope you guys go far. Look, if it's the Bills or the or the Chiefs, man, I'm taking Bills all day long. Please don't let Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs, get another one for the AFC. <laughs> Dan, pleasure having you. Thank you so much for making a few minutes for our guests. People love, they, they tell me all the time they love guests like you that come on, talk ball, talk about their team because we don't see the Chargers a lot. And really thought this would be a primetime Peacock matchup. <laughs> it still is good. for the Bills. As funny as that sounds, it's no different than if you were full strength. Totally. Um, so uh, we'll see if they actually have that momentum or if there are some type of uh, bumps by the interim head coach slash some type of downfall for the Bills. So for Bills purposes, thank you so much for uh, for coming on today. We really look forward to following you along and coming to your draft coverage as well. Thanks for popping in. You're welcome. Gentlemen, thanks so much. Best of luck on Saturday. We'll talk yes. to you soon, right? <laughs> See you later, Dan. All right, bye. Sounds good. Bye. Um, what a great guest. Like, what a really good appearance. I uh, always love to have that kind of opportunity to interview uh, other team, uh, other people from other teams, because that really gives us a, a really good breakdown, right, Kevin? 
Yeah, like you said, we don't know everything about the opposing teams. I mean, we can go based on the box scores and what the numbers tell us, but it's good to get that fresh set of eyes and that perspective because he brought some names up that I'm not even familiar with. Like the the opposite corner, I was looking at their depth chart and right. Dean Leonard, a seventh round draft pick from 2022, looks like he's injured. So they've been going with Michael Davis, number 43. So Davis. maybe it's going to be Davis on Davis this week. I, I wouldn't have known that if we didn't talk to Dan. Yeah, for sure. And then a couple of other no special teams. That's always a big one. That is advantage Chargers um, because Bill's special teams have struggled. They looked okay finally last week against the Cowboys. Um, they have struggled at stretches, even in some of these wins uh, with the fake punt against the Jets and uh, the situations that we've seen. Martins fail. We've seen the 12 men on the field. We've seen some bad situations. So a loss on a punt return to the Jets, Kevin. So uh, the special teams is uh an issue and definitely could be you know advantage chargers but look dan broke it down best they don't have their weapons if they did this game would be it was at one point one of their better games on the schedule you know performer playoff team um really has some really high-end names or top heavy kind of like some of those old bills teams uh years past under rex ryan or others like very top heavy uh, maybe like the bills are now uh but the, the difference here between the rosters the bills are top heavy but the meat in the middle of the roster has been really good for the Bills. That's why it's the Spencer Browns, the Trell Bernards, uh, the Christian Benfords, um, some of those guys, uh, their offensive line, um, you know, that's really where the meat and the potatoes of the middle of the roster have been really good. So we'll circle back uh, on our score predictions, kind of give our final wrap-up thoughts toward the end of the show, Kevin. But, uh, you know, we put a little bit of time into the Chargers there, but want to get into your opinions and your takes on the Cowboys as always, this show is brought to you by Sons of Erie, www.sonsoferie.com. Huge sale going on there before Christmas. You can see behind me one of their best pieces, in my opinion. I uh, love all the artwork over there. And Tuscany Market and Deli and Fredonia. Uh, lots of great stuff going on over there, too. Yeah, once again, tonight's episode is also brought to you by Tuscany Market and Deli and Fredonia. Tuscany is a locally owned Italian deli and specialty grocer offering an old-school butcher shop with homemade sausage, burgers, and more, as well as a full-scale deli, subs and sandwiches, fresh produce, Italian imports, kitchen supplies, home goods, and much more. You can find Tuscany on Facebook and Instagram and visit the shop on at 450 East Main Street, right on the corner of Routes 20 and 60 in Fredonia. So you definitely want to check them out around the holiday season. For sure, cool place. Also, we will tag them in the video description as well on um, tag them in Facebook. Uh, so look out for some of their, their, the things they have going on there. As always, we are very appreciative of that. Please smash the like button. That would be great. Uh, anybody listening on demand, leave the five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify is excellent. That like button does help us bring additional content and a lot of great things uh, on the fold. Um, as long as this doesn't end up like the Falcons game last year. Um, we got also got you know, with a depleted roster, no interim head coach. I do agree with Roy in this case where a talented quarterback with a talented roster can receive a pretty big bump. And we have seen that happen in history of the league. They do have it. If you look at the analytics, I actually pulled some uh, a couple days ago, there is like a 20% uh, increase after coaching fire. Um, but I do think a lot of times the in-season coaching changes come with like a lot of times with like a, a good roster or a, a pretty big, like, you know, you might have, you may have Justin Herbert still healthy, in cases like that, I do think it would have been a little bit more scary, but no Herbert, no Bosa, no Keenan Allen. There are no excuses uh, for anything that goes along, uh, going goes on around here. But Kevin, Cowboys victory. We saw we saw a James Cook performance. 
Um, you know, we saw a coming out party from him, the run blocking four point, what is it? Four yards per carry. Only one time was he hit, um, that he, that he had to make, a, a guy miss early in the backfield. Like, I mean, those are just impressive running performances, whether it's from the running back to the O-line to the scheme. Joe Brady was, I mean, just like, um, just like he would, Dan was talking about with Kellen Moore, um, in terms of like, is he getting a fair shake? Well, Maybe Kellen Moore with a fair shake, it'd be like Dan Bra- or like uh, like Brady is uh, in terms of what he's been able to do post his Carolina days, where he's clearly didn't get a fair shake. Kevin, Joe Brady's been phenomenal. I mean, we've been talking about it ever since that Jets game, and that was the first week where it's like, okay, you know, going off of your point about making that coaching change, it seems like naturally the team responds better when you fire the coach. I, I'm sorry, but taking a quick little side note, I'm I'm wondering if the Sabres are going to have that same vision with Don Granato, but that's besides the point. Uh, but in terms of the Bills, when they fired Ken Dorsey, I know sometimes it was a polarizing opinion where some people were saying, well, the Bills have all these numbers and the stats, and they still have Josh Allen, so just let Dorsey stick around because the numbers are favorable. But then there are a lot of us, myself included, that said, but look at the eye test. So I know the numbers are good, but are they really utilizing these players properly? And every single week, we're seeing Joe Brady figure out ways to unleash James Cook and Ty Johnson, for that matter. And again, Gabe Davis was held catchless. And as bad as that might sound, considering he's a wide receiver, too, that's up for a new contract this offseason. I think that's also a really good thing because that means that James Cook has just been absolutely, well, cooking because defenses don't know how to stop him in the run game or the pass game. So naturally, you're going to want to keep feeding him. And then naturally, Gabe Davis's targets are going to go down. So again, I mean, that could be a bad thing when you say, well, Gabe Davis is really decreased his production ever since Joe Brady took over. We got to get him going again. And maybe they will because the Chargers secondary is so weak. But again, looking at it from a glass half full perspective, I think that is in large part due to the fact that Joe Brady has let James cook. There you have it. Um, For me personally, you look at it in in, in a situation to where we got into it at the end there with Dan, like, like the bills do really good at the end of seasons. They just do like, it's a trend. It isn't like a one-off one lucky one thing. You have a tweet out there, I think. Like I've said many times, different statistics around the end of the season. I mean, you went on record, I don't know, was it three, four weeks ago now? Maybe four weeks ago, saying that uh, after you predicted a Philly loss and you said after the Philly loss that they would rail off five straight. Um, so we'll have to see. I mean, off the bat, um, was it or was it six straight after the Philly? Was it six straight? So it would have been five straight. Five straight. I so said they're going to still- drop the Philly game, go to six and six, go into the bye. Everyone's going to be worried. We're going to watch the Dolphins win, and then they're going to respond with five straight wins. And so far, so good. So far, so good. They don't control their own destiny. We'll get into a little bit of that in a little bit. Uh, but there's certainly some. There is a doomsday scenario we'll get into later on. Um, but the Bills, at least on the AFC, pretty pretty straightforward. They do need a Dallas win. They do need a Dallas or Baltimore win. Uh, they definitely want a situation to where they can control their own AFC East destiny not just their own playoff destiny. So there's a couple scenarios we'll get into in a little bit. But from a Bills defensive standpoint now, um, I mean, you can't do much better than that. They they, had, they get, had a little lapse early on with scripted plays by Dak Prescott, but buckled down around midfield um, and really 
put some pressure on Dallas all day. They got to him three times uh, against a pretty good Dallas offensive line. Uh, they, you know, got even more pressure. Basically had them off rhythm. Their, their, the, the Bills' corner scheme was great. The help side with uh, Taron Johnson going to Poyer and Dime, bringing in Cam Lewis, who played excellent. Vic Dermott's a great, great defensive coach. Like, whether he has issues in game or all, whatever we want to say off the field, regular season, Bill's defense is really good. And you saw a little snip, a snippet of it. Uh, we've seen some lapses, though, this year, which was starting to make people nervous against New England and the game you mentioned and a couple of other problems. Uh, but are you feeling confident now with this defense and Sean McDermott with what they've done in back-to-back weeks, only allowing 27 points to Mahomes and Dak Prescott, two always uh, a top quarterbacks, you know, a couple of MVP. I mean, Dak was like top, top three in, in MVP voting uh, prior to the game. Mahomes not so much right now this year, but, you know, Rain, you know, he's always been an MVP candidate. How are you feeling that you've let up an average of 13 and a half points to two top five offenses? Well, I said this two weeks ago, and I'm going to say it again. The Bills did the hard part. The hard part is over. You beat Kansas City and you beat Dallas. Now, that's not to say that this is going to be a cakewalk, because to my point earlier, we've seen the Bills drop those very easy, winnable games to the Jets, Patriots, and Broncos. So, again, I'm going to remain optimistic and say that they will be able to pull it together. And we're not going to see those old Bills, you know, rear its ugly head again, because I think this is a new team. So, yeah, I mean, I have been really, really impressed that they have been able to contain Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott, two of the best offenses in the NFL. And I know that the Chiefs were down this year and still are. But the Cowboys were ranked number one last week. We talked about that when we were going over the team stats, the number one scoring offense. They were top five, top ten in just about every single category. And say what you want about the weather, but Dallas had no answers for this Bills defense. And I think it is so impressive considering the injuries that Sean McDermott has had to deal with this year. And you're getting guys like Leonard Floyd, Terrell Bernard, Christian Benford, Jordan Phillips, who unfortunately is dealing with that wrist injury now. But talk about the depth that this team has put together. So I should mention uh, Brandon Bean's name here. But regardless, this defense, I feel confident against any team now. Now, if you are in, let's just say, you know, this week, for example, when they go to SoFi Stadium or the Super Bowl is what in Glendale. So it's going to be in Arizona or or is it in uh, Vegas this year? I don't even know. I haven't looked that far yet. Vegas. Yeah. So either way, when you make it to the ultimate goal, it's going to be an indoor climate, perfect weather conditions. You know, they're not going to have to deal with the elements and the factors, but I mean, like, look at Terrell Dodson. Perfect example. Now, say what you want about Terrell Dodson, but PFF loves him. And I'll say that Terrell Dodson has been playing some great football lately. And maybe he's not the best linebacker, especially in pass coverage. And no one's going to be on the level of Matt Milano. But the way that he has been able to come in to replace Milano and McDermott has been able to coach him up, I think that speaks volumes because there just has not been any drop-off. And then going back to the secondary, you mentioned Rasul Douglas. That was one of the best trade deadline acquisitions that I can remember in, in recent memory because Douglas has consistently shut down opposing wide receiver ones. And we all love Trey White and we miss him dearly. But at the same time, we're not even thinking about him that much because Douglas has just been such a shutdown corner. And then even someone like Taylor Rapp, he comes in from Micah Hyde. He had one of his best games ever. And I think that's a testament to... McDermott being able to coach these players up 
And again, being assembling the roster and then obviously the players for executing. But right now, everything is in sync and the bills are clicking on all cylinders, offense and defense. And that has got me really, really confident for these final three weeks. And the big note that Daquan Jones was practicing today, uh, taken off of the designated for return list, uh, put onto the designated for return list from the standard IR, has three weeks to ramp up by all accounts from sources that I've been told within the team. He's expecting to play against Miami um, week 18. So that is what I've heard from inside the Bills roster or inside the Bills team. Uh, We will see if that comes to fruition. But week 18 is is, uh, what's on the fold for the team, as well as the Bills expect, you know, we'll see what happens over the next two weeks. The Bills expect a full roster against Miami week 18. They got to get there first, though, Kevin. They cannot have any lapses uh, going forward. And we'll get into scenarios in just a moment here. But they have to get the job done and not have one of these uh, simple little uh, little little letdowns that you've mentioned that they've had in some of those other games. You know, London's one thing that was a crazy scenario. The Jags were like at the top of their game. They are now struggling. The Bills had just lost a bunch of players and had to travel. Uh, that's, that's a little, they just lost Trey white. So that's, and then lost two players in the game. So that's like a little bit different. And then Bengals are always a tough out with burrow and chase and the full, they were full strength. They dominated the 49ers. They beat the bills in a tough game. They needed a Joe Mixon run at the end of the game against uh, Josh Norman to salt that game away. Um, so beside that though, those three games are acceptable. The jets, Dolphins, uh, jets, Patriots, and Denver games were unacceptable. Uh, unacceptable losses here for this roster. And then the Philly in overtime, the game that was maybe the hardest of all of them, and the Bills played really good, needed a 59-yard field goal and and rain wind, as well as as an A.J. Brown fumble. To me, that was a fumble. Um, You're going to call other things fumbles in this league. We've seen it happen. That was a fumble. They Bill should have walked off there on that fumble recovery against A.J. Brown. But, alas, um, that they win two straight, and they've played really great and to have Daquan Jones come back to with three top 20 corners, Benford, Rizul Douglas, uh, as well as Taron Johnson, three top 20 corners right now. And Kyrie um, Elam is healthy again. And Kyrie Elam's healthy. They don't have a roster spot for him. What do you even do to get him on the roster? You've already cut A.J. Klein in order to um, in order to activate Dawson Knox. I don't know who you cut right now, especially if you still need Kingsley Jonathan uh, here. It's 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 a tricky situation. The Bills do not have the roster spot to activate him at the moment. Um, so that's I don't know what they do there. And even Daquan Jones are going to have to make a move somewhere to bring him back onto the roster, especially um, with the emergence and kind of the the spot usage of Linville Joseph uh, as well, which is another addition to this team that, uh, you know, the Bills have found pretty useful uh, here. And then hopefully. I think Mookie Hawkins um, also just had stated that AJ Epinesa is hoping to play this week uh, as well. It is healing quicker than he thought. And I quote, um, he's a game time decision. He's been able to move better this week and feels like things are mending sooner than expected. So that is the, uh, that is the report that we have from Mookie Hawkins from WUFO 1080 AM uh, 96.5. So that's what we got. You know, the bills are getting healthy at the right time. They were able to prove it. Um, Cam Lewis came in, in in safety coverage. And now people are talking about Cam Lewis as a potential replacement for uh, a potential loss of Micah Hyde uh, as well in the future. So the, the bills, they develop DBs period. It's a strange situation with Kyrie Elam, uh, but the rest of the roster has developed they generally don't miss on DBs. You even see Alex Austin, who was drafted by the Bills, starting in the league right now. 
uh, in New England, I believe. So uh, it's 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 quite crazy what the Bills are able to do at the DB position. Uh, and part of the reason why, and now the defensive line is top three or four in the league in sacks. And you have a situation that uh, that's really good. I do not believe Phillips goes on IR or he's out four games and would miss the first playoff game. By all accounts, he is expecting to play the wild card round. I don't know about week 18, but by all accounts, he's pushing for it. So I don't think with the limited games, they will, they, they have to have inactives anyways on game day. I think you see Phillips go to the inactives list uh, instead of IR. Now that we're within four games left of the season, three, uh, you won't see as much IR usage unless they're done done. Um, so that being said, I don't believe he goes on that list. I think you'll want him prior to four full games uh, being removed from the system. Um, finally here, as we talk about, you know, to pivot a little bit back to the chargers game and what this bills roster is going to be able to do the, this spread, Kevin makes me nervous. Um, just all things, there's nothing that's pointing in their way. Kind of reminds me of new England. However, I guess new England's roster at that time was a little better Is Mac Jones better than Easton stick. I, I, I don't know. Um, it's tough to me. I don't think that roster very good, but the bills are playing better. So let's construct the game plan. What do you think? You know, he mentioned attacking these corners and they are some of the worst corners I've ever seen. Some of these past numbers are terrible. Um, like, I don't even know, like you don't even need to run the ball. I mean, their roster is terrible <laughs> defensively, especially. So Kevin, what do you think the bills need to do to secure a W uh, in a game where there's not a lot that points the chargers way? Well, I, I think, this is an interesting spot because I wonder if the Chargers are going to game plan extra hard for James Cook because of his big performance, 25 rushes, 179 yards, 42 receiving yards, a couple of touchdowns. So I'm wondering if that's going to open the door for Stephon Diggs. And I know that sounds weird because if he's wide receiver one, you're naturally going to be game planning for Diggs. But I'm kind of hoping that the Chargers say, oh, wow. They are really figuring out how to use James Cook. Let's try to figure out how to slow him down. And that's going to open the door for Diggs to go off for, like I said, with Dan, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 catches, 150 yards, one or two touchdowns, and be that top dog that we know that he can be. Because it's weird that he hasn't gone over 100 since week six against the Giants. So this could be a huge game for Allen and Diggs to rekindle that chemistry together. And it's not that they never lost it. I mean, Diggs has still been productive. He just hasn't been putting up those all-pro type of numbers. So I'm kind of hoping that they try to game plan James Cook because I'm confident now that even if they do, Brady's going to figure out how to counter that. And they're going to have different counter punches where James Cook can still be effective and Ty Johnson for that matter. But ultimately, I think that this could be a big week for Stephon Diggs. And I'm going to throw Gabe Davis's name in there too because – Again, I know that he has seen his, his production decrease. I have a graphic that I'm going to pull up. But I think that this could be a week we we're talking about Michael Davis, and it's just such a weak secondary. The Chargers defense is 29th in total defense, 30th in passing defense. And I tweeted this out earlier this week. Gabe Davis has been held catchless in four out of the last six weeks. But looking at it from a glass half full perspective, in those six weeks, James Cook has 22 receptions for 241 yards and three touchdowns on top of his 482 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown. And like I said in the tweet, whatever it takes to win. So I think that the Bills are clicking on all cylinders right now, and they can attack these teams, specifically the Chargers, on Saturday night from multiple different angles. 
Yeah, Bills overall defense, top 10 in the league, back to 10th overall in DVOA, 14th against the pass, 17th against the rush. However, their overall composite score is 11th uh, in the league. Last week, they were 15th, um, and they bumped all the way up from 11th to 10th too, just recently based on some some new some new deviations there as well. So uh, they played really well overall. Um, once again, it's it's been a good situation. 11th against the pass um, has been you know has been a really good uh, scenario for them. But as you look at the, to construct the offensive game plan, and as you kind of break down what the chargers do well, and it's not a lot defensively. So I guess to your point, it's kind of like pick your poison, um, in a, in a way almost. And if you look at their pass rank, it's just glaring at 28th, like at some point, like I think Josh Allen does what he needs to do to get this thing done. Um, 28th DVOA, their rush rank, uh, rush rank isn't much better, uh, advanced analytics wise. Like there's just nothing that like the bills could do wrong. So maybe they, they do couple off of that game plan that they had last week, or maybe they still come out and show you that these DBs are bad. And if you try to drop into some type of man coverage, if they were going to play some cover two shell, like Josh Allen can still get it done. Um, and this might be a game where I don't know against a situation where maybe Josh feels like he has a little bit more leeway. Will we see big time Josh? Um, I hope so. But will that come with uh, some turnovers? Maybe not. Will they just show the league that we can run the ball now? Like we we're going to run the ball. Uh, if we need passing situations or you get us in a down and distance, that isn't ideal. Josh Allen will do his thing. So we'll see. I think shortening the game. I don't think you need to win 40 to 10. If you do, you do. Um, but I think ultimately you take a two score win, you run the clock out, you get no injuries. And that's kind of how I see this game going. The game is get the game over with. There's nothing good to come out of this game. You need a W and that's it. Nothing else matters. You've beaten some good opponents. You're not the Miami Dolphins yet in terms of never beating a team with a winning record. They need to prove it against Dallas this week and then Baltimore. Bills have proved it. They're three and three uh, against teams over 500. Fairly good strength of victory in the league. They have no real issues right now with, with not being able to prove that. And then they competed against Philly. They have no problems against teams with winning records. So let's get out of this game. Let's run the ball. Let's pass where needed. If they have plus matchups and they're there to sell out to stop the run for some reason, when you have Josh Allen, let him do it. And then I believe Josh Allen will absolutely torch you. Run the ball, shrink the game, do exactly what you did against Dallas. If they come with a struggle on offense, then you will see a similar game to Dallas last week. If they are able to move the ball a little bit somehow, uh, then maybe you'll get into that range that Dan was talking about of a 28, 17, 28, 20, Something like that. I do think the Bills win by two scores, not three. That is my prediction uh, as we get into score predictions here. I'll let Kevin, let's give us your actual prediction now. Um, and what do you think will happen? And then we're going to get into some final thoughts and playoff predictions. I'm going to pull up the uh, team stats real quick as long as we have okay. enough time because uh, I just want to say something about the Bills defense. Yeah. So while I pull that up, I, I, like, I hate talking like this, but it just doesn't make sense on how this bills defense can lose to this chargers offense because as you will see here with these stats that i'm about to pull up you think okay well it's easton stick so maybe you want to force them to run and then it's like well okay but they're you know because they're only averaging 95 rushing yards per game but then it's like well i don't know because just which is it better slash worse to to give up you know um from a Bills defensive perspective, it's just I'm not sure which is like the right way to go about it because I think that you should be able to win either way. I, I, I'm saying this very sloppily, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, absolutely. 
So let me uh, pull this up. Can you let me know if you can see that? Not at the moment. Yeah, we haven't seen any. Oh, there it goes. There it is, right? Yep. Team staff are loading. <laughs> okay, so uh, total offense here. Bills are fourth. Chargers are 15th. Now, these are a little bit padded because of, you know, obviously Justin Herbert playing most of the games this year. So they're bound to come down with Easton Stick and then with that anomaly of a game last Thursday night. Uh, but passing offense, Buffalo is eighth. Chargers are 10th. Rushing, Buffalo is sixth. Chargers are 27th. And then scoring, Buffalo is sixth. And the Chargers are 17th. Looking at the defense now, Buffalo is 12th, and like we said, the Chargers are 29th. And then in terms of passing defense, Buffalo is 9th, and the Chargers are 30th. Rushing defense, Buffalo is tied for 15th. The Chargers are 18th, so slightly better. But then scoring, Buffalo is top five. They are only giving up 8.1 points per game, and the Chargers are giving up 24.6, which is 28th. And yeah, just at the bottom of the league. So I, I think that either way – oh, and then uh, real quick, some additional stats here. This is the one area where the Chargers do pretty well in. They are sixth in sacks with 44. Buffalo is fifth with 45. Point differential, this is a big one. Buffalo plus 125, which ranks fifth in the league. And then the Chargers are minus 42. Turnover differential, Buffalo is plus three. Chargers are minus two. And – the Bills have given the ball away a little bit more than the Chargers, but they've taken it away a little bit more as well. So that's why they have a better turnover differential. So, I mean, just every way you look at it, it looks like it should be a big Bills only, victory here. They only take it away once a game, the Chargers. So that's have hasn't been a way for them to win. They don't take the ball over very much, which is good for the Bills. Like, ultimately, <clears throat> he asked us, what is a way besides special teams? It's turnovers. Like, well, let's be honest. That's how they, they, they've they had a struggle in, in all these games, like the Jets, uh, the Patriots, and others, how they've there's a chance for the other team to win, minus a special teams blunder, is is turnovers. They're only taking the ball away once per game. Even if they get that one in this game, it's, it's, it's just not going to be enough. Josh Allen did not turn the ball over last week. Uh, and really, he has a better touchdown turnover ratio than anyone in the league. Um the ball's in his hands a lot. So you, you start to see that. And hopefully it is a back-to-back -back relaxing game to watch. Kevin, time to give us your score prediction and what you think is going to actually happen. All right. So in terms of my score prediction, I think that this is going to be a huge Bills victory. Again, I just don't see a way that this team can fall unless it's one of those games like New England. But I, I just see this as a new team. This is a new Buffalo Bills team ever since the bye week. They're doing it again. Like my prediction from a few weeks ago, they are coming together as a team. They are not letting this Tyler Dunn article ruin them, and they are playing some of their best football right now. And to your stat earlier, they are very, very good in December and January. And say what you want about Sean McDermott, but for the most part, he knows how to win in December and early January. Can he win in late January? Well, you know, that, that still remains to be seen. But I think in terms of this week, I just see the Bills – passing and running all over the chargers and the chargers just not having the answers on either side of the ball. So I have Buffalo winning 41 to 17.
Mm, similar. He had 31-17. Look, I'm going to say with what I just said with keys to the game and game plan flow, I think it's a two-score win. I'm not going to go three scores. I think it's tough to predict three-score victories in general. Um, but sp- specifically the game plan I want in this one, I don't need long or I don't need short plays, big plays. I don't need things that are going to put our defense on the field for a lot of the time. I just want methodical run drives. And if we're torching them and we get up big, fine. Uh, but ultimately I want to shrink the game. There's no, no, there is no style points. They've beaten two good teams already played really well in a loss against the Philly Eagles. I don't need style point victory in this specific game. Like, sure. Like, yes, you would like it to be the score you're saying. And there is a path to that um, specifically, but I'm looking at a game where I don't see the chargers being able to score. So all you need to do is, is hit a certain threshold uh, in this game. Uh, so I have the bills winning this one 28, 14, uh, in a two score, two touchdown lead, no field goals. I think that they're going to, the chargers are going to be going for touchdowns all day. They're going to be going for it a lot with a, with the boom of a new coach. I don't expect many field goals against the Buffalo bills in a, in a game where you're just coaching to prove that you can be there. Um, and then equally for the Bills, I don't think they're going to get stopped much, um, down in the red zone, especially maybe you have a two point conversion if you have to kick a couple field goals anyway. So 28, 14 is what I feel comfortable predict barely covering the spread, uh, is really where I feel the most comfortable in this game. So we'll see what's able to, uh, to, to transpire. Uh, but I think that the, the best keys to this game are shortening the game a little bit as, um, as the game goes on. So. It's time for their special segment of of rooting interest and one of my specialties. You know, some people out there are cat people, and I'm a cat person too. Some people out there are draft people or whatever it may be. Or uh, for me, playoff scenarios is something that uh, that I take pride in and being able to answer any playoff scenarios questions. So let's get into it. What's going on around the league? You got a Saints Rams Thursday nighter. Unfortunately, that means nothing uh, here for the Bills. So we can we can skip that one. I wish that mattered. Bengals-Steelers, pretty big game for the Steelers to win. If the Steelers win, the Bills control their own destiny pretty simply. Before they even kick off, the first game of the – well, the first game of the slate, uh, second game of the week, uh, the Bills could control their own destiny um, and does help them in, in going down the line as well if the Steelers beat the Bengals. Gives them some hope with a loss as well if that game is able to go this way. Obviously, Bills victory. We've talked about that a million times. Uh, Colts-Falcons. Falcons winning could help out a whole lot. Um, a lot of teams there at eight and six there in the AFC South. You want the Falcons to win this game. Uh, could go a long way uh, as well. A couple NFC games we can skip right over. Jets are useless. Uh, Packers, Panthers doesn't mean anything. Keep it moving. Uh, Browns versus Texans. Uh, that one is a much talked about game um, so far. We have them saying a Browns victory here in this game. And that's interesting because you do want a Browns. Let me put this one on record here. And we can you can revisit this at any time. You want the Browns to win if you think the Bills are going to lose a football game. If you think the Bills are going to lose to the Dolphins or the Patriots or Chargers, um, you want the Browns because that gives the Texans another loss and that keeps you afloat uh, in the playoff race. However, if you think the Bills are going to win out optimally, um, you know, if there's a schedule, you want the Texans to win because that gives you to control your own destiny again situation uh, where if the Texans win, the uh, just the Texans win, no one else, the Bills control their own destiny in this playoff situation, as well as if they don't happen to win the division uh, now that you could be ahead of the Browns in a wild card scenario as well. Um, so that, those are a couple of things that you're looking, in my opinion, I can see the path to wanting a Browns victory in six, and basically saying the Browns are the five seed um, with a win. They basically are. Um, so you can give them the five seed, which will help you in the loss situation. 
but I want the Browns to lose. I want to control my own destiny. And ultimately uh, I could go either way. So uh, they gave him three claps. Apparently um, I could see that. Um, but ultimately I like, um, I like the, I like ultimately the uh, control your own destiny than I do thinking the bills are going to lose Jags bucks. I don't know why this one isn't high. This should be a five star to me. The bucks winning is huge. Uh, that helps the bill. So we're, so what's inconsistent for me is like, you want the bucks to win more than you care about the Browns, which has three claps to me. Like that's a neutral game because you could look at that two different ways. Um, this is, this is too low to me because, uh, with the bucks win, the bills are starting to be in better position, even with a loss. And I, with the way the Jaguars are playing right now, I'm rooting for the Buccaneers. This is a big one. This is like a four clapper to me. Uh, you were a big Bucks fan at home against the Jags. And plus you beat them if you need a strength of victory, which you won't. But even if you did, um, the Bucks winning is is much more than a two two chance, a two clapper, um, uh, in my opinion. Uh, a couple I'm going to see games. And then obviously the big one, that just, this goes without saying, Cowboys versus Dolphins, Cowboys win. The Bills control their own destiny in the AFC um, East. So there's no if ands or buts about it there's no benefit at all uh to be thinking otherwise so that one's pretty straightforward uh patriots at broncos your, your pats fan here uh, as well uh if the broncos lose one more game you can kick them out of the playoffs um and you don't want to think about them anymore so you want the patriots because that puts an end to the denver broncos in the whole scenario and that is one less team that gets you to the goal once again if we're thinking about in case a loss in week 18 something happens against miami something goes wrong uh, that go this game goes a long way, and so does this Buccaneers game goes an extremely long way in case there is a lapse there against a pretty good, uh, pretty good opponent. And then finally, guys, the Bills can be in the playoffs after this week. Uh, we've been waiting for the moment that we can see ourselves on the graphic. Not that it matters. Everyone points to us being the nine or eleven seed. Luckily, these teams are starting to play each other more. And after this week, the Bills could be as high as even the six seed uh, going into this game. And next next week. They could be clinched and be in the two seed. Uh, a lot of things need to go right for both of those scenarios. And we will get into them next week in the clinching edition of the Going Deep Buffalo podcast. I'll get into that one next week uh, if that pertains, if that is relevant at all. As always, you can tweet me any. I have a thread up there now. You can tweet me any playoff scenarios, questions uh, that you need for me going forward. Spin says Texans, Bengals, Colts. If two of those teams lose one game, Bills control their own destiny for the wild card spot. Um, they just need one. They just there's one scenario the Bills don't make the playoffs. One, you only need one of those teams to lose, not not both. Well, the Colts play the Texans or the Colts, excuse me, the Colts and the Texans end the season, so you are going to naturally get a loss there. So all you need is one more loss between any of these playoff teams. So they because they play each other, there's going to be a built-in loss there, um, so that you only need to worry about. Uh, one more team losing in that situation. So, Kevin, what do you think of that? Uh, what do you think of all that? What's your opinion on the playoffs? How you feeling? How this could look? I mean, at the end of this week, it could look drastically different than it has for the last three weeks where everybody's saying, well, the Bills are still the 11 seed. That could finally change uh, as soon as this week. I think that you are way better at that than I am because that kind of hurts my brain. And for me, my motto is just win. And then the rest will take care of itself because if you went out, you're 11 and six. You might have already said this, but what are your playoff chances like? 99% winning out 99.9. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I keep saying. Just went out like I predicted on Thanksgiving Eve. And I really think that Miami is going to drop one of these two games between Dallas and Baltimore. 
there's no way Miami wins out because they haven't beaten a winning team in 450 something days. And that yep. was back on September 25th, 2022 in the heat game versus the bills when the bills had 20 players coming off the field due to the sun and the heat. So I think that they are due for a loss against another good team because Dallas is going to be pissed that they lost that game to Buffalo. And another interesting factor Miami is dealing with a lot of injuries right now. The entire offensive line <laughs> mispracticed today. Tyree Kill, um, you know, they have different guys. I, I believe Javon Holland is dealing with the knee injury. They have different defensive players. So I think Miami is going to drop one of, if not both of these games. And it's just perfect where Buffalo got over that hump of beating Kansas City and Dallas. And now you think that you have two easier games between the Chargers and the Patriots, while the Dolphins have these two really hard games, and then it could all come down to Week 18. So I I just love it so much because I really think that my prediction can and will come true. Uh, I mean, you're 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 looking good there. You have that I think pinned or somewhere. You got your take that you had that out there. Um, pinned tweet. Yeah, there you go. Uh, one thing I wanted to address, though, is this final thing here. The includes winning out because we can still miss the playoffs if we win out. They do not control their own destiny at the moment, uh, Kevin. So the one thing needs to be said, you did need to pay a little bit of attention to my thing because even if they just went out, baby, there is that one doomsday scenario uh, where the Bills cannot make the playoffs if everything, 13 games, three, including a plus three Bills games, so 16 games, if those all go one way, the Bills are out of the playoffs. So they do not, can't just win out. I don't believe that'll happen. That's where you get the 99.9 because the odds that all 16 games of those hit is astronomically low. The odds that all five of the games you need this week to hit is plus 2,300. So one in 230 chance uh, that the Bills will not control their own destiny coming out of this week. That factors a Bills win, right guys? Um, but if the Bills win, one in they will control their own destiny. The odds are one in 20, uh, 230 that the Bills will not uh, will not control their own destiny. So that is one thing I just want to be clear. You only need one of Miami, Jacksonville, Cincinnati, Cleveland, or Indianapolis to lose, and the Bills will control their own destiny uh, here in this game. Notice how I didn't say Houston, and that's because Houston and Indy play. Uh, and Houston actually plays Cleveland as well here in this. So in order for the Houston Texans to make the playoffs – they will help the Bills out along the way, beating Cleveland and Indy, thus giving the Bills controlling their own power. So you don't overly care what Houston does, hence why I'm rooting for them to beat the Browns this week. But it's not looking likely without C.J. Stroud. Uh, the receiver and core is all beat up. I don't think they make the playoffs. They had a nice little midseason push. I don't believe there's enough there for that team to get done. And lastly, the doomsday scenario is Miami needs to beat Dallas and Baltimore. Jacksonville needs to win out. Cleveland needs to beat Houston and the Jets, but lose to Cincy. Cincy needs to win out Pittsburgh, KC, and Cleveland. Indy needs to win out Atlanta, Las Vegas, and Houston. And that's your doomsday scenario. Uh, and the only way the Bills wouldn't make the playoffs um, in that one in uh, one in really 230 chance just this week alone. It's really one in about a thousand chance that hits Kevin. So if you're better, get out there and bet on all those, uh, get yourself some good juju and bet on all the Bills opponents that could knock them out of the playoffs because you ain't going to win that bet uh, with those kind of odds. And I certainly hope that that comes true. Final interest, final talking points, final takeaways from this Dallas game, from this Chargers game. 
I'm going to push it to you, Kevin. Give us the final thoughts as uh, to leave our great viewers with uh, with some great info. Well, I have two takeaways. One, I want to go back to uh, that defensive talk that we were having about game planning for Saturday night. And I know I was a little sloppy the first time, so I want to just make sure that we understand what I'm saying because there's another point that I feel like we haven't really talked about yet. So if I'm the Chargers, I'm not mm-hmm. sure how I want to attack the Bills because what is exactly working right now? Because you have a backup quarterback in Easton Stick who is unproven. So you naturally say, well, let's just turn to Austin Eckler. But they have such a poor rushing attack by the numbers. They're not even averaging 100 rushing yards per game. That makes you say, well, maybe we should go back to Easton Stick. So then you look at it from the Bills' defensive perspective and say, well, how should we game plan? And I think that the best defensive game plan could turn into an offensive game plan. Because if you do what you're supposed to do on offense and you get up quickly, 14 to nothing on the Chargers, then they are going to be forced to have to throw the ball with Easton Stick. And that will take away Austin Eckler, Josh Kelly, and Isaiah Spiller. Because I feel like the Chargers would try to establish a line of scrimmage just to take some of that pressure off of Easton Stick. So I think that if the Bills can get up early, force Easton Stick to throw on you, and then here's the key thing that I'm not sure if we've talked about enough yet, get pressure. Because I think that the Chargers offensive line has been playing decent, but I think that they are suspect. And I think that you can get the pressure on. And I love the way Leonard Floyd has been playing. And, you know, Von Miller, say what you want about Von, but I've been seeing positive strides from Von Miller these last couple of weeks. And I think that he is starting to come on. The brace is off, and I've been seeing a nice uptick, maybe not from a production standpoint, but you're seeing the pressure. And, you know, just all the other guys, Greg Rousseau and Jordan Phillips, I know he's hurt, but Ed Oliver has been just an absolute dog. And it seems like whoever they've been putting in, they have been rising to the occasion. So I think that is the best defensive game plan. Just get pressure up front and continue to win on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, I there's a lot of paths to victory, Kevin, in this game. And it's so hard to even pick one. Their DBs are so bad. Like, how do you not throw it? You're going to win on both lines of a scrimmage. Like, their D-line's decent as far as bad as their back seven is. So maybe like that would go would go for throwing it. You mentioned he mentioned the um, the matchups with the linebackers, and they don't even really have corners. They just not like the Bills do. So uh, it's going to be interesting on the off on the defensive side. Like Easton Stick should not be able to do anything. Um, you need to keep him under thirteen points. It's pretty simple. Like maybe he has a scripted opening drive or opening drive of the first or the second half. Uh, this is a game where you can defer as as take the ball as I am, and as great as it was to go up uh uh last week and uh like to me like i'm a take the ball kind of person like um that's where i that's where i reside in these football games like i i want the ball i want to be up in a football game and it, it worked against my it work it works against the teams where uh winning records i don't really care what they do against these low uh lower end teams um but when you get the ball first i just think and you can score the odds are exponentially look at what Dallas had to press the rest of the game uh, that from that Latavius Murray touchdown. So I think ultimately six, uh, 12 play seven minute drive. Look, what kind of way to start a game than that? I want the ball. I want to be able to get it done. Um, but ultimately against this, this team, like you can kick it off in this game. I won't be too, too mad. Uh, even though getting up, getting up early against Easton stick 
uh, could be the way to, cause there's, there's just really no path in that, in that case too. So um, I like that's, that's my, and then don't let their special teams look. They, they, he mentioned how good um, their special teams unit can be and could be a path to success there for the LA chargers. And there's not going to be much of a crowd factor. The weather is going to be nice. There shouldn't be any external factors from crowd to snow to rain uh, that gets in the way uh, of this game, which is nice to see. And even though the Chargers are 20th in DVOA, um, I expect that to drop like a rock because that's how much it's being uh, held up by their offense with Kellen Moore, Keenan Allen, and uh, Justin Herbert. Uh, Their special teams ranked second in the league uh, special teams. So Bills are 18th. They played a little bit better recently uh, in special teams related uh, play over the last couple of weeks. Uh, but there are those blunders that are still there. 18th is, is, is scary range, but that is advantage charger. So don't let that matter at all. You want there to be so many kickoffs. It doesn't really matter what Darius Davis does uh, on his kickoff returns. Um, but Hey, we have to rely on other teams. We didn't sub right against Denver. We let Mac Jones drive the ball. Uh, we couldn't stop. Um, uh, we couldn't stop Joe Mixon. Uh, we couldn't get anything going in London. Uh, we couldn't stop a punt return in overtime against the Jets. Uh, so they're definitely, and then we couldn't stop a 59 yard field goal and um, we couldn't hit a connect with Gabe Davis in overtime. Uh, otherwise bills would be undefeated. Uh, even taking, even taking the Denver game, Kevin, they would be in an extremely good situation. Just, just subbing right or standing there on defense, the bills win and they'd be in commanding position right now, even uh, with just a nine and five record uh, that would that would basically be it. They'd basically be in similar to win and in scenarios because now they have some tiebreakers, AFC record, a couple other things. It's as simple as that, not putting the right players on the field. But they've made it a long way since then. They kind of went through the gauntlet stretch of initially the Jets defense to the Eagles, uh, to uh, into the Chiefs and into the Cowboys. And what was supposed to be a really tough game into the Chargers, the Bills, I guess you want to call it catch a mini break, not having to play Herbert. Uh, they got lucky there. Uh, but they do have to play a coaching change and, and a scheme that you have really no idea what they're going to do. So final takeaways from Kevin uh, as well. Myself, appreciate our show sponsors today, Sons of Erie, www.sonsoferie.com, uh, as well as Tuscany uh, Market and Delhi. So check out all of their specials uh, across uh, what they have going on there in Fredonia. So we're happy to have them on board here for the holiday season. Uh, and Summit Center, uh, some of the best adult and children um, autism and uh, needs and care in all of Western New York. So they have a donation page. That means every dollar helps them drive another student and another program through uh, through their programs. Give us some final opinions uh, as we wrap the show, Kevin. What do you have on your mind? Just win, baby. Give me give me something quick uh, to leave our viewers with. Well, I'm glad that you brought up the Jets and the Patriots and the Broncos again, because that segues perfectly into the last thing that I wanted to say tonight, because as much as it pains me and the rest of Bill's Mafia that we lost those games and just the way that we lost them, it also motivates me. And I think it motivates the team because I'm trying to look at it from an optimistic standpoint and say, you know what? Maybe if we had 11 men on the field, Ken Dorsey would still be the offensive coordinator and James Cook mm. would still be buried on the depth chart. And he wouldn't be unleashed like he has been. Or maybe if we didn't allow that punt return touchdown against the Jets, maybe they would have dropped that game to Dallas or Kansas City because they are not in tune. They're not as focused because they know that their backs are against the wall. And like we've said repeatedly on this show, especially tonight, this team plays their best 
when their backs are against the wall. So as much as it sucks that we drop those three just stupid games, let's try to look at it from that positive perspective and say, maybe that is the motivation that this team needs to be the driving force out of December and into January, because this team is peaking at the right time. And all the other teams, we've talked about it before, how Pittsburgh's cooling off. You've seen Kansas City drop off. I think Miami's due for a drop off. And you know what? The bills are rising. And you also know what? If this team continues to rise, they're going to be one of the most dangerous teams in the playoffs. And that really, really excites me. There you have it. From the Going Deep Buffalo podcast, Kevin Masseri, Kevin Syracuse, just win some football games, 99.9% likely, and get a Dolphins loss. And this thing can turn in a hurry to seeing your team now in the sixth seed and with a chance to be as high as the two if a couple more games go their way. And the team's getting healthy. Excited to see this D-line get back. Uh, a couple players get back there uh, as well as that defense start to get healthy as a push for the playoffs continues here on the Going Deep Buffalo podcast. As always, check us out. Every, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on the Built-in Buffalo Network, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. We appreciate all of our listeners. Kevin gave away a pretty cool Jordan Phillips jersey to one select winner. I've given away Dalton Kincaid, uh, signed rookie card. We've given away um, a Christian Benford jersey as well as a Micah Hyde signed mini helmet. So we'll do, be doing things all, all you know the rest of the season as well. And I have a Damian Harris one coming up as well, so there be on go. the lookout for that. Got another Damian Harris signed jersey coming out. Pretty cool jersey. Um, no, he got hurt earlier in this year, but uh, definitely a cool, cool piece of memorabilia to own. So look out for that one. You don't have to do much. But from the Going Deep Buffalo podcast, I'm Kevin. That's Kevin Syracuse. We look forward to bringing you more action. And to all of our on-demand listeners on Spotify and Apple, thank you so much for tuning in audio-related. Please leave your comments below. Please smash that like button. It helps us bring amazing content onto this network. And all of our shows, Thursday, we got the Buffalo Basement Show, a really great new show that we added to the Built in Buffalo. We got the Blitz on on Tuesdays. We got the Bills Chat Pod on. We have some really great shows and some really great content here on the Built in Buffalo. And always looking to, to, to grow our network. So thanks for tuning in. We'll be right back at you next Tuesday. It's our next Wednesday at 7, and we will be breaking down possible clinching scenarios. Have on my guy Mark Schofield and one of the best from USA Today, breaking down quarterbacks. He will be here to talk Patriots. Always a pleasure to have Mark on the show, a friend of the show. So Kevin and Kevin, we'll chat with you next Wednesday at 7 p.m.